Hey, I'm JR. And I'm Mike from the 18 over par with Mike and JR podcast. Welcome to season three of the pod where we'll continue exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. Lots of beer. Lots of beer, JR. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we're joined by former Winnipegger Marshall Patterson. From Sturgeon Creek to SoCal, where he's the Director of Instruction at Rancho Vista Golf Course, just north of L.A., I believe this is our first Zoom episode of season three, and for good reason. Uh, we couldn't get the 18 over par private jet to either fly down to California or to get Marshall to fly up here. But nonetheless, uh, super excited to have you on, and uh, we're also super excited to have Bryce Matlashewski, who's back on for Season 3, and he is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. We also have all of his info in our link tree, which you can get via our bio on our social medias. I figured out how to do a link tree, and I made it look somewhat nice. I was very impressed myself, Mike. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or if you, or you probably haven't, have you? You probably never clicked on that thing once. <laughs> I did look at it. I did. I did. Uh, and it does look really nice. Um, I'll have to look at it further in more depth and, and click on some of the links. Yeah, see where it brings me. Yeah. You, you get lost in the sea of links. And we'll also maybe send you some goodies, Marshall, after coming on. Or if you ever make the trek back up here, maybe to catch the Jets, if they make a playoff run or something, we might see you or to see some old friends. Um, but, but first and foremost, we want to give a shout out, too, to Jamie Wilkie. He was our second episode ever. So season one, episode two. And he was like, you should get Marshall on. And sure enough, three seasons later, here we are. But super excited to bring you in and, uh, and have you on. So how do you know Wilkie? Oh, wow. We're going right down. Yeah. Going right down the rabbit hole right away. I love it. Uh, so, kind of a kind of a weird small world. Um, I played junior golf against Wilkie. I played high school golf against Wilkie. Um, don't know if you guys know the name Dave Woods, director of golf at the Vintage Club here in Southern California, which is like Augusta National Southwest. So played against him too, and uh, that was some pretty wow. cool times and. I used to practice a little bit with Wilkie. Um, as I remember it, it would be him hitting 10 to 15 balls and me blowing through about 200, which tells you where our golf games were at at the time. I'll give a shout out to Rob McMillan, who back then, when, if you were playing amateur golf in Manitoba, you kind of felt uh, 
like you were playing Tiger Woods in his prime. It was like, oh, cool. Rob's in the field. Everybody's playing for second. I remember one of the one of the amateurs that I qualified for. I came off. I played halfway decently and shot sixty-seven and or not sixty-seven. Sorry, I shot seventy-four and uh, Rob shot sixty-seven and Wilk shot sixty-nine. And I thought, huh, what golf course are they playing? Because I thought I played pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, no, I've known Wilkes a long time. He's a great guy. He's uh, somebody to this day I still consider a friend. Yeah, well, he's definitely you know hooked us up. He knows a lot of people in the golf world, and you went, mentioned uh, Rob McMillan as well. A big Akushnet guy now, and you might even hear from him later on this season. Oh, goodness, Ooh. that would be That would be wonderful. I'm, uh, I'm a bit of an Akushnet guy, if uh, you consider being top 100 in the States. That's, that's kind, of a, kind of a cool thing, and I really appreciate uh, how that company's treated me over the years. But, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Akushnet guy, too. Yeah, I think we saw that uh, through your Instagram feed. <laughs> Scrolling through there, because we don't do a whole hell of a lot of research when we get into this, but we do go through some social medias, try and scrub the internet of your information. Mike's really good at that. And yeah, we saw a big, big Titleist guy. Likes the Titleist. I am. I've been with them. I just signed my 26th contract with them last Tuesday. Wow. Mm. So is that different then? Well, I, so I guess... We'll get into how you ended up in in the U.S. So, did you become a professional in Canada, or did you have to do both? Like, how does that all work? Uh, no, no, I um, I left Winnipeg at nineteen to pursue uh, pursue college golf. I uh, I I wasn't completely delusional, but um, I got lucky enough to get hooked up with uh, Doctor Jim Suddy, who's a top hundred uh, instructor in the United States before I went on my junior college journey and spent some time with him. And, and he kind of gave me the idea. It's probably best to go down the junior college route. I wasn't a ranked junior. I was at the time I thought I was good. And then, uh, then I came to Southern California and, uh, the first day I was here, I played with, uh, Jason Gore, who, has won multiple times in the corn Ferry, And, uh, yeah. So for when your first round of golf is with a two time, uh, pac 10 champion to say that that was a little eye opening was an understatement. So yeah, I've been, uh, I've been stateside since I was 19. And, uh, so in a couple of days here, I'll, I'll have been in the States for 30 years. Holy smokes. Wow. Was it, was golf always like your sport growing up? Um, no, no, I, I played everything. I had an interest in golf. And then unfortunately when I was, Oh God, 12 years old, uh, the fall of 86, my grandfather passed away and left me a funny set of funny looking set of hockey clubs, which was weird. <laughs> and, uh, the other thing he willed to me was a stack of playboys. that was up to my waist. So I'd say that was a pretty good, uh, pretty good inheritance. Every boy's dream. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, that next summer when I was, you still got them. I don't, I don't. One of my beans of my existence, um, the clubs, yeah. not the uh, playboys. I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm actually pissed off. I don't have both. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I got um, no. And it was, um, yeah, I, I kind of, kind of knew right away. I, I uh, played my first round of golf at a 
the Assiniboine golf course, nine holer. And, uh, from there I was pretty hooked. I played contact sports all the way up till, Oh goodness. I was 17 and got in a car accident and decided that it would be a real super idea to put my head through a windshield and be in the hospital for a few days. And the doctor came in and kind of gave you that uh, tap on the shoulder that uh, contact sports, uh, you're done. So then all of my focus went into golf. Not that it wasn't, but you know, I played other stuff. And, um, then I, when I was trying to figure out what the heck after high school, cause I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. I'm like, you know what? I kind of, I kind of want to give this a go. And so I wrote a bunch of letters to a bunch of junior colleges all over the United States and got a few nibbles and, uh, college of the canyons. That's just down the street from me in Santa Clarita gave me a call and, I went down there and good played for Yeah, the good old Cougars. And uh, we had uh, my second year, I redshirted my first. Uh, was not good enough to make that team, which was a little bit of humble pie, but whatever. But, um, yeah, got to qualify for the next two years on that team. And uh, the last year I was there, went undefeated, then wrote a bunch of Division One slash two schools and, had a really decent finish at the Manitoba uh, Amateur, which probably helped me go on to get a scholarship to um, private Division II school in North Carolina and finished that out and then came back to California and turned pro. Wow, that was a lot of bouncing around. Like, were, were your parents there to, to support you? Like, how did you survive? I think my parents did the best they could, honestly. I, I mean, they're not golfers whatsoever. Um, obviously back then the, uh, Canadian dollar was not up to snuff. So it was, uh, I got enough of a scholarship. I got enough help when I came to California that I actually worked at St. Charles country club on the maintenance crew because I figured I, I could kind of get up at five in the morning and then be done by two and take a nap. And because it stays light out till 1030 and night. I could still get my playing and my practicing. And so, you know, a shout out to, to the late great Jimmy Collins, who was, uh, the head pro there and, uh, Curtis Collins, who is the uh, superintendent, uh, rest in peace as well. But those two guys, they were really great to me. Did you, was there ever a point where you realized that you're actually pretty good at golf was it playing against the likes of like Wilkie like did you play junior competitions or did it really just kind of start um like really get competitive for you when you had that accident and contact sports were out of the question I think I was always pretty competitive with myself um I enjoyed high school golf uh I never played very well in the Manitoba junior my game was not at that place I I really say I probably only became what you would consider a decent player when I was like 19 or 20 you know, the junior stuff for me was, you know, me wondering if Jamie and Robbie Mack were playing a different golf course and probably not putting it on myself that, you know, you might want to get better here. So, you know, coming to California, that was certainly a realization. And it was basically, do I really? So I, I firmly loathe winter with, with like a hatred that is unbridled. And so when I realized, okay, I've got to get like really good at this or I'm going to go back and, and not that there's anything wrong with this, but for me, I would have not been a fan. I would have gone to the university of Manitoba and all that good stuff. But 
I just wanted to keep the light on. And so I, I think part of my journey has been me just always trying to keep the light on. Don't shut the door. And I've, I guess I've fooled them for about 30 years now. So, <laughs> you know, I guess I'll keep doing that. <laughs> well, why not? Why wouldn't you? Well, exactly. I have no interest in using any of my three degrees. What a waste that would be. <laughs> the motivation of Winnipeg winters. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly it. I am not shoveling snow. <laughs> um, so that was that was sort of where that all came from. I'm curious, where did you play uh, high school golf? Oh, you're going to make me out myself? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the now Sturgeon Heights, but I, I'm of the uh, Sturgeon Creek. Oh. Yes, and he's saying no because he knows the reputation of that school from back in the day. Not really. I mean, our, our mine and JR's school amalgamated with Sturgeon. Uh, Silver Are you Heights? Silver Heights boys? Yeah. Are, so. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Small yeah. world. My brother went to Silver Heights. How old are you guys? Mid-30s. Yeah, we're mid-30s. But we look okay, 25. So, he, so he's he's a little bit older, so he would he, he would have missed you all. For colleges, that did you know anyone like going to that junior college to to get in? No one. No one. Okay, so you just you were kind of just no there, one. young young kid trying to play golf. And I mean, now as you mentioned, 30, 30 so odd years later, and and you're still doing it. Um, that's that's pretty that's pretty incredible. Like, were there any times like I guess you probably had a pretty good group of buddies on the team that would have supported you and helped you out through those years? Yeah, you know, and I had I had good coaches. Um, and I, I don't mean by the, I had a good swing coach. Um, when I was in college, I turned pro about a year after I moved back to Southern California, you know, and my playing career was unspectacular. We'll leave it at that. Um, you know, I won once in, in junior college. I won once professionally on some of the mini tours down here. I did qualify for the Manitoba open. Unfortunately, qualifying for that event was the end of my playing career. Um, so that was a bit of a bummer, but I got into the one tournament that, you know, as a, as a kid in Manitoba, you want to play in the Manitoba open. And so unfortunately I qualified, but, uh, blew out my wrist and the, that was, that was the end of that. You blew so, it yeah, out when I came, playing golf. I blew it out. Um, God, let's see if or was memory car accident. No, no, no. We, we, we tried to leave those behind. No, I, I went to hit. <laughs> I was playing a kind of a funny story. I was playing the, uh, the open qualifier at Elmhurst. And, uh, you know, it was always something I prepared a lot for. And then, uh, of course I promptly double bogeyed number one and it was a smooth six degrees and blowing 50 and raining and, uh, <laughs> had a, had a little bit of a meltdown with, uh, my caddy and basically, uh, told them that everybody today is making bogeys and doubles and we're not doing that again. And, and, uh, so got it going pretty good. Um, if I can remember, I think Wilkie honestly was in the group ahead of me or the group behind me and kind of got the round going on number eight, the downhill part three out there at Elmhurst. I threw it in there to about a foot and a half. And then I birdied nine and I started, okay, okay. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not out of this thing. 
Then I got on to 16. I went to hit a flighted, well, I guess it would have been 56 degree sandwich at the time, sort of, you know, back in the stands, keep it underneath the Winnipeg winds and uh, got ball first, hit a really good shot, but unfortunately didn't see the tree root that was right in front of me. And oh. Oh. my, uh, my right hand came flying off the club. And I thought, you know, when you kind of stub your toe, you're like, okay, this is fine. So <laughs> believe I too believe I two putted for par and got up on 17, that longish par par four. Went to make a swing and uh yeah, unfortunately my right hand couldn't hold the club through the hitting area. That was a that was a tough grind into the house with one hand. That was less than ideal. <laughs> but bad, uh yeah. yeah, but ended ended up qualifying and uh the next day kind of hmm. Why are my fingers fingers all curved weird and I can't move my hand? Uh, so did the smart thing, went to a chiropractor and um, the small bone, well, it's not really a small bone at the bottom of your wrist had actually popped out of its joint. And uh, when he popped it back in, other than the fact that it sounded like a shotgun in my head when it finally went back in, but it cracked the bone. And so I had a condition called bone marrow edema, which is um, excess blood gets into the bone marrow in your hand and it limits mobility. Um, so I tried to do some rehab on it, but I couldn't play in practice. Yeah. So while I was doing that, um, I'd already been working for Titleist at the time, doing some fitting days and some stuff just to help out my income. So I'd sort of travel around Southern California to some of the better courses and do fitting events and get guys fit into equipment, which, you know, kept me in pretty good stead with the company at the time. Cause I hadn't been with them that long. And I had this one kid's dad. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. He, uh, he called me while I was rehabbing every week, teach my son, teach my son, teach my son. And, you know, it's kind of funny because you know, it's one of those things, right? You don't know what you don't know. And I finally just said, okay, fine. And I gave him a dollar amount that I thought he would tell me to go kick sand. Or fortunately, I guess now, uh, he said, yeah, no problem. That's fine. And so I started teaching his kid and, you know, I'm sure you guys have had this in your life too, or you thought you wanted your life to go one way. Now within 15 minutes of me pulling out a tripod and my camera and starting to teach the kid, I realized, you know, I was a pretty good player, but I was not elite. And that's what these guys are. But I, I truly felt in my heart that I could become elite at this. If I worked hard enough, if I took a lot of the lessons that I'd been given, if I studied, if I, and so, yeah, that's where, that's where the teacher was born. And it's, it's kind of ironic because my uh, my late great father was a professional photographer, and I make my life behind the lens of a camera. So I think that's kind of fun and ironic. <laughs> well, it's in your blood, obviously. <laughs> I guess so. Do you have the same camera you started with? Oh no, I, I, I still I still have it. So you don't use it. Oh, that's good. I don't. You know, I in think the we're film a couple room. of idiots. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're a couple of iterations away from uh, using a camera with the technology we've got now. So right. I still have it. It does still run on tapes. So, yeah, I've been teaching a while. It's cool. 
We take a quick break to hear from Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Well, Bryce, it's uh, it's great to uh, to have you on and to have a quick chat. My first question is, uh, what can an investment advisor like yourself from Endeavor Wealth uh, do for me, and how can that differ from my my current experience of trading with Wealthsimple, uh, just based on my the recent Twitter feeds. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Yeah, d- discount brokers like Wealthsimple uh, certainly have their place, uh, but at the end of the day, you get what you you pay for. Uh, those platforms are very limited in what they offer, and they're more ideal for just basic trading. So if that's what you're looking to do, and it, it's really not a bad platform for that. But what we do at Endeavor, uh, we take a more holistic approach. Uh, we examine an individual's needs, uh, both short-term and long-term, and we go way beyond just investments. We look for tax opportunities, ensuring the decisions you are making today uh, minimize your overall tax that you might be paying. Uh, we also help our clients address estate and insurance needs. So really anything we can do to uh, assist in your overall wealth management approach. And going back to some of those discount brokers and, and, and things that you see on the internet, uh, a lot of times people don't realize the amount of intrinsic risk that they're taking on with with making some of those trades. And so finding balance is, is another key thing that we do for our clients at, at Endeavor. That was Bryce Malashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. Did you take any courses then for teaching or was it just your, your golfing knowledge from what you did at junior college and out in North Carolina and then, you know, working around in the Titleist scene. So yeah, interesting story that I'll make really short because it's kind of boring. Um, I have never worked at a facility long enough where I could go be a PGA person. Um, I have some of the greatest mentors of all time. Uh, Brady Riggs is top hundred in the world. Rick Sessinghouse is top hundred in the world. So obviously I used a lot of the stuff they were doing, the stuff that I wrote down, um, did a lot of research on my own. And I, I feel like I've never stopped learning. So I've been here in California, well, teaching in Southern California for, God, I was racking my brain when you sent me the questions. I think 15 or 16 years minus two and a half years where I was the lead instructor at the number one academy in camera in Canada. So I was Rob Holdings, um, right hand guy for about two and a half years. So I certainly learned a ton during that. I'm track man certified biomechanics certified. So there, there was a bunch of stuff that that experience gave me where it was like, okay, I could push myself forward and, and, I don't know if you guys remember, do you remember the name Michelle Wu from a couple of years back? She was the youngest girl that ever played in the Canadian oh, Open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I worked with her, with Rob. Oh. Yeah, I worked with her for about two and a half years, did a lot of on-course stuff with her, still continue with the family. And, you know, my experience in Vancouver was 50-50. It was 50% good. A lot of that's because that's where my wife was from. We met on a plane. 
going from <laughs> California, California to uh, to Winnipeg with a stopover in Vancouver, and she was sitting beside me, and so that that changed my life again. But yeah, it was. Uh, I, I've tried to I've tried to keep the learning curve going. And, you know, when you have people that you converse with, like a Brady, like uh, Rick Sassinghaus, who I think Colin Morikawa has done pretty good for himself. Um, when you, when you get to learn lessons like that. To me, it might be even more valuable than you're sitting in a you're sitting in a classroom learning about something. You know, I, I didn't I didn't work with Rick from a physical standpoint. It was all performance based. It was all sports psychology. It was really, really good. And then Brady, if there's somebody better in the world with the nuts and bolts of the golf swing, I, I, it's, he'd be hard to find. Well, that certainly helps. It just seems like by almost by chance that you've been connected with all these people, including your wife. <laughs> That's going to say, <laughs> uh, this, this interview can get a lot weirder if you'd like, because the chance <laughs> meetings that I've had in this sport, uh, you know, look, I'll, I'll lead in with the biggest one. Okay. Okay. So in, in your questions, you asked if I was related to Andrew, the hustler Patterson, mm-hmm. Andrew's response to that is yes, we are brothers from TSN 1290. <laughs> so one of my f- most fabulous stories is obviously my wife had heard all the people that I've met through this game. And uh, I don't know if she was like, okay, yeah, right. Cause it does, it does start to sound like unbelievably not believable. So I'd been telling her, Oh yeah. You know, um, I've worked with Janet Gretzky. I've been in a group with Wayne. I've had lunch with Wayne. And so we go down to this tournament in Palm Springs. And I'm working with a couple of students. I'm, I'm in Vancouver at the time. And Wayne walks down Lusty, or the range, I should say, and says, hey, what's up, Marshall? And everybody on the range went, wait, what? And I'm like, no, I like, kind of know him. So we get down with the round and, and his son, Ty, who's a very good player in his own right, is uh, still out in the course and rain and, and Wayne wanted to have lunch. And my wife and I are sitting in this sort of bar restaurant and Wayne comes in and goes, Hey, can I, can I join you for lunch? I don't know if you would have said no to Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so at that point, unless I didn't want to point, buy, I would ask him, well, are you buying? No, hell no. I would have bought whatever at that point. I got an hour and 45 minutes of the greatest hockey talk ever. And so he, uh, he at the time decides to tell me this story about uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the Winnipeg Jets and, and how they're going to play this outdoor game. And I went, wait, what? And so I texted Andrew and I'm like, I need to speak with you because nobody knew about it at this point. Right. And I didn't, I didn't want to blurt it out. And I'm like, hey, get Gary Diggin. I just had lunch with Wayne Gretzky. He says we're getting a Heritage Classic. Sure enough, we got the Heritage Classic. Yeah, and wow. Andrew and I have been back and forth. And I think the world of those guys. And I think it's really, really shitty what Bell Media did to that station. But I'm glad all the guys are doing well. Yeah, we had a few yeah. of them on. Well, I guess two of them. We had Brian Munns on and, of course, Andrew Hustler-Patterson as well. <laughs> I don't know Munzee from a hole in the wall other than to hear him 
sounds like a great guy. Yeah, the Rick Ralphs, the uh, Trevor Kids, the Hustler Patterson, Kenny Weeds. They're just a great bunch of human beings. It's just wild. And that definitely comes down to kind of the small world, too, is you can't really escape the Winnipeg vortex, can you? Never. <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> now, you, you, you can take the Winnipeg. You can take the boy out of Winnipeg. You can't take Winnipeg out of the boy. <laughs> do, you, do you wear your jet gear often? Uh, not this year. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> They're they're puking as we speak, so it's now two one, and we look awful again. And so there we go. Oh, don't don't uh, spoil it for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, listeners. But by Sunday, you'll be well in your cup if we continue to puke. <laughs> how many how many Jets jerseys do you own? As we get off topic here, seven seven authentic. And one Brian Little signed replica. So eight, I believe. Wow. Mm. That's impressive. How many do you have, Mike? I thought you had a, at least two or three. Uh, I have a collection. I think I, think I got three. Yeah, mm. three. Three is enough. I got one real one and then one fake one from China. I remember when they were first coming back, I was in Halifax, and we had a contact, contact in manufacturing in China. <laughs> And they're like, oh yeah, we got all these jerseys here. So I have a Solani, but it's not it's not authentic. It doesn't have like the white ribbons around, uh, you know where the forearms are, the cuffs yeah. would be. And the blues are oh, off. Okay. And the blues are a little bit off, yeah. Yeah, you don't see too many of those around, but it is uh, it is comical when you see the guy wearing that at the game. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't wear it to a game. You haven't seen me in it. I'll wear it to the rinks and that's about it. It was 10 bucks, so why not? Wow, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it worked out for for me at least at uh, at the time because that was uh, that was pretty exciting. And I guess for yourself, Marshall, did you play hockey then as well growing up? Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we all, we've all played hockey. Unfortunately, my parents um, could not afford a lot of um, organized hockey. Played on rinks, played on streets. I was a goaltender both in that sport in team handball and in soccer. Uh, loved being a goaltender. But yeah, there's no way. My parents back then couldn't have afforded it. And yeah, I don't know handball. how they can afford it now. Yeah, but handball too, that's... that's great know, sport. Do, they, do they still play handball in high school now? I don't even know. I hope they so. do. Yeah, They do. We should get a... We should we should play handball one day. Yeah, we'll get a handball podcast going. Who knows? <laughs> I know it's big in Europe. Huge. Yeah. And it is actually pretty exciting when the Olympics are on and watching it. Anyways, we digress. Um, but back in into the golf, like really these these stories are really interest me just in how you, you got into this, you know, teaching aspect of the of the game and you know, Winnipeg boy and you know, family, friends are still here and now you're living in SoCal and you and you have been for so much time. Is that just where where it led you? Like it was just teaching, teaching, teaching and, and that's kinda where you ended up where you where you are? Yeah, I, I, I kind of joke with, I, I guess I mostly joke with myself that I, I, I really wish I could come on here and say, this was all a plan, <laughs> right? I would be so full of shit if I spun that on you two fine gentlemen on the 18 over podcast that it would just be grotesque. 
No, it's it's kind of it's kind of. I just kind of fell into everything, and I tried to keep that light on as long as it came. And and you know, I'm so blessed to have so many good people in my life, and yeah, I have the fundamentals of being in the the teaching profession. Don't want to date you, but for as long as you have been, have you seen the fundamentals of the golf swing change? Um, especially now it seems like everyone wants, you know, more distance, more distance, more distance. Oh God. Uh, what a question. Um, you know, I joke with everybody that comes to see me and I'm, I'm, I'm really fortunate knock on wood. I'm a very, very busy guy. And that's cool. That's really cool. Other than this rain. (laughs) (laughs) I find it so hilarious. So, when you, when you do that interview process and it's funny, I just had one an hour ago and you're talking to somebody regardless of age, sex, race, and religion, that golf ball doesn't know how old you are. It doesn't care what color of the skin you are. It just doesn't care. And I like that. But when you're talking with people, especially adults, kids, you know, maybe they've had a few lessons with another instructor and you've got to dispel a few things there, but Like, isn't it funny? I'm older than you guys, but, you know, we used to hear, keep your head down. That's absolutely garbage. Keep your left arm straight. Absolutely garbage. Um, (laughs) Keep your left foot planted. It doesn't want to move. Well, okay. Then half the, half the best players in the world wouldn't have a job. You know, so it's, you know, it's through stuff. I use track man every day. Um, I've used the force plates quite a bit. And it's just so funny that science has really taken us away from what the golf swing was supposed to be 30 years ago and what it is now. And the other side of it too, and I don't know if you guys run into this, but it's, I don't know if it's a pet peeve of mine, but you know, I see stuff on, and whether it's Instagram or the internet, you know, people are always putting up what they consider to be pretty swings. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the goal of an instructor is to figure out what in the heck you can repeat every single time. The rest of it doesn't matter. Right. And the last one that I think is absolutely comedy central is when people say, oh, but I don't want to use my hands in the golf swing." Can I ask a stupid question? What in the heck is the only thing holding on to it? You think maybe your hands might need to know what they're supposed to do? <laughs> like, I just, I find some of the stuff that's still out there to be comedy central. You right? you, 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 uh, you blew up my, my pre-swing uh, check boxes there. That, that, that was all four of them. <laughs> Did I get them all? <laughs> you got them all, yeah. But, but yeah, as we are learning through this podcast, uh, you know, things have changed in the last 20 years. So that's good. I think things have changed in the last five. Yeah. I think change are going to, I think things are going to change in the next five. I'll give you a great example. Okay. Are you both right-handed players? Yes. Yes. Are you both right-handed? Yes. Yes. Oh, So isn't it interesting the next time you guys get to go hit a golf ball on a range or you're mucking around in your garage and you're getting ready for the spring, I want you to put your hands on the golf club. Okay. And then I want you to open. I might go get my golf club right now. 
<laughs> so you put your hands on it, right? And then you open up this hand. And don't you find it's real interesting that when you open up this hand, it's on the exact same angle as the face of the club. Now, if TrackMan, $20,000 here in the States, tells you that curvature, the ball moving from either left to right or right to left, 80% of that relationship is face, shouldn't we maybe pay more attention to it? I'm just trying to be logical oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. My mentor 25 years ago looked me in the face grabbed one of my golf clubs, slapped the face and said, son, if you can control this, you win. I'd never heard anybody say that to me in my life. That was like, oh, oh, okay. My hands are not educated. Well, let's get them educated. Yeah, that's incredible. That that reminds me a little bit of Sandy Kersiba, who we've had on here a couple times. He's a big proponent for that, but also he's he's an old school guy and more of a Mo Norman guy as well. I mean, I'm sure you know Mo, and yeah, Mo, 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 Mo <laughs> you know, greatest ball striker. Golf is easy. This game is so easy, it's laughable, boys. What are we even talking about here? Why do we need a podcast? This is ridiculous. Why is anybody listening to this crap? <laughs> so there, there's your Mo Norman. Yeah, <laughs> that that is something, though, right? Where I think even Mike and I both. Because we've been hovering around, I think, the same handicap for probably 10, 12 years. Hovering around there, I would say, Mike, you're probably about the same, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And a little, and maybe a little higher. I think you put yeah. some work in last year and you got some a few things figured yes. out. So. Yeah, I did, I did put in some work with a lot of people, which, uh, which was nice. And I don't even know where I was going with that. But, uh, yeah, Sorry. it just seems like, no, it's more so in our heads, I think, than anything else where we're just trying to think too much. Especially oh, when we're standing over the golf ball when, uh, Marshall, you just laid it out there. Got to control the club face. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, and, and can we touch on that really quick? Yeah. I would say I do. I, maybe I'm lying and I'm off by one or two. I can list on one hand the clients that I have right now that I haven't taken to the golf course. I don't understand why more people aren't taking their clients to the golf course because Mm. I started indoors. That didn't last very long. I absolutely loathed it. It made me want to puke. Uh, It was terrible. And so all my students, their strings would look better. All the, the traces of, of, you know, the force plate would look better. And then I started going, why are none of you getting any better? Like, why do you suck? And, uh, you know, I'm really hard on myself, you know? The, the, the wife... The and the wife, students. Yeah, the students. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're getting pissy, and I'm just back there like a hockey coach ready to kill somebody. And then you take them to the first tee, and they revert back all to their same old shit. It's maddening. Well, if you take somebody out there... And then they're going to throw up in front of you. Well, let them do it. And then be able to, to get back into that. So to me, I think there's just not enough focus on how, how do I play? 
too many too many lessons are hey let's stand on the range for an hour get some track man data if your coach is lucky enough you know to be able to afford one i'm still driving a 1999 solaro with 360,000 miles on it so you can see the choice that i made car or track man made that choice <laughs> and, <laughs> and you gotta break through and everybody learns so differently right and I, I say, I hope that that takes me out of the, I'm a crappy golf instructor. Maybe it doesn't, maybe I've just completely faked it and got lucky the entire way. And I suck. Who knows? <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I don't think you have students qualify for nine United States championships, but uh, you know, maybe I just got lucky there too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I definitely find too. Yeah. When you get that, because we, we got the chance and I just wish again, working in the industry for 10 years that I would have gotten out more with the professionals that I worked with. Uh, and now, you know, later in life, I'm going back to those professionals and being like, Oh, okay. I should have listened to you more or at least picked your brain a little bit more. And even when Mike and I, we did go out in the course with Colwyn when we played Southwood there, was it last year? I think it was last year or maybe the year before mm -hmm. that. It was and last year. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, it was definitely a big change getting to see how, you know, someone of his skill level and talent, how he thinks about the game and then how he relates that to our game to, you know, help us get around the golf course. Well, you know, and the other thing too, and you were talking about it, a minute ago and i'm sorry i got kind of sidetracked and went off onto a little tangent not that that's we appreciate it yeah that's yeah. good there there, there are going to be some tangents depending on what you ask but have you ever thought how stupid we all are as golfers i'll include myself so i'm not calling out all of your listeners and you two going look look you bunch of band idiots <laughs> but how stupid is it that we played all these other sports right so i'll use hockey as an example I like to play goaltender. Okay. I don't think that from the time a slap shot is released, the goalie is thinking about the angle of his hand, the velocity of the puck, where the other players are. He's reading and reacting, and it's every other sport but golf and taking a free throw in basketball because nobody's coming to take that ball off the tee from you. It's just you, the golf ball, and, and the course. Now, you might have your idiot buddy chirping you, whoop-de-doo, you can get that out of your head. But we're standing over the golf ball with thoughts. What the hell is that about? <laughs> like, seriously, what the hell is that about? Okay, uh, maybe have one swing key. Aren't you supposed to make practice swings to give your body a feeling to go ahead and recreate what you want to do over the ball with the absence of thought? I'll give you a great example. You'll both freak out. I hope. Have you guys ever, where do you guys normally play golf? I know most of the courses in, in, in Winnipeg. Where do you like to play? Give me an example. Don't say Southwood. I've played the new redesign. You guys will kill me. <laughs> you have to come up and we'll play. Done deal. Well, yeah, we'll play this summer for sure. And then we'll uh, take the, the freezer truck and we'll go down there to just north Love of it. Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, we'll do a little little Ryder cup or something. I don't know, but, uh, well, we, 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 we play all over. I know we've, uh, we've played St. Charles. Now we've played breezy. Ben uh, perfect. I grew up there. Yeah. Okay. You're right. standing on St. St. Charles South. Mm -hmm. Okay. First hole or fourth hole is their first par five of the back-to-backs. It's just dead straight away. It's as boring as hell. Right. But mm -hmm. it's long. It's like five sixty. 
right? So most players aren't going to get there in two. So let's say we've all hit our drives in the fairway and literally, I don't know, what do you got? 60 yards of room to lay up. And you grab your seven iron that goes 180. And since there's not a lot of consequence, you don't have a lot of thoughts in your head. And all of a sudden you lay up with that seven iron and the stupid thing goes 210. What happened? The absence of thought, the absence of tension in your body, and you just went and performed what you know how to do. Take the same seven iron from 180 over water to a tight back right pin location, and you're sitting over the golf ball thinking about shit. Uh you have more of a chance of winning lotto 649 than knocking that ball on the green. It's going in the bunker, the water, because you're so tight, you can't even think about anything, but there's consequence. So again, what the hell was your practice swing for? To look cute? Mike does look pretty cute know. during his practice swing. I, will say <laughs> I don't think I even take many <laughs> practice swings anyways, no. so... Well, then you've just eliminated my entire theory. So thank you for that. <laughs> I, I'm sure most people do. Maybe I should be taking practice swings, but uh, no, I, I completely relate to, you know, the added of, uh, uh, you know, bunkers and water and everything else and getting stressed out. And I am, I am the ultimate overthinker uh, on the golf course. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure there's many types of people that you see coming to your lessons, but one of them has to be the head case guy who's, you know, you're trying to just watch him swing and, and he's telling you, okay, I got this. Should I be holding my hands like this? Should I be holding this? Should I be, where should my head be? Where should it line up? That's me at a lesson. Jesus, you're giving me PTSD. <laughs> Stop it. Good Lord. Okay. So the first thing you do with a guy like that is you ban him from YouTube. Exactly. Oh, no. Yeah. You're not allowed to look at YouTube. They're not talking to you. And I've, I've, I've tried to take that out of my, uh, my routine. Just stop. <laughs> right. I mean, how good is it in the 1.4 seconds that it takes to make a golf swing that you're thinking of the pronation and supination of your left arm as it relates to your left inner thigh, as it relates to where the ball is. And there's somewhat wind and there's this yardage. Do I have the right? I'm, I don't know. That sounded stupid or coming out of my mouth, <laughs> right? Like that's just goofy. Yeah. That's what's going on in my head. But, uh, Hey, I'm not calling you out. I'm the worst at it of all time. Worst golf I ever played was a year after I started teaching. This is no word of a lie. I love my golf course, Rancho Vista. I love being the director of instruction there. When there's no wind, it is the easiest golf course in the United States of America. It is 6,600 yards long and it's wide open. There is no consequence. So unfortunately, when I would go to play, I was still hitting a gross amount of greens and re regulation, just a gross amount. Cause it's not hard. I'm hitting driver wedge, driver wedge, driver eater. Well, then all of a sudden I've been teaching and I've taught several hundred people probably by this time. And then I started thinking about JR's misses. Then I started thinking about Mike's. And then I started thinking about the guy that can't chip the ball out of his own shadow. And all of a sudden I have the chipping yips so bad that I looked like a monkey humping a football trying to hit a five-yard chip. <laughs> 
do you think maybe I've got it firsthand that maybe don't think too much? It was embarrassing. I'd go within like 10 yards of the green and it was like, oh, which one's coming? Am I dribbling this one on the ground? Am I slamming the, the, the leading edge into the ground? And I had to go right back to literally, I call it almost brain dead golf. This is what I want. This is the feeling. Execute. So I went through it just as bad as all my students. Maybe that's why I have some sympathy. But yeah, for a guy that's, you know, the the YouTube sensation, and I've got lots of them. They're they're lovely people and perfectionists are real bad too. It's like stop it. What you're doing has not worked to this point. So why are you trying yet another instructor and trying to put your nonsense information on this? If you want to talk about your feels, feels can never be wrong. That's great. Let's talk about feels. Let's own that swing. That's the thing that I wish more golf instructors would do. So if I'm giving a lesson to either you or JR, before I'm done and I give you your videos and your track man report and all that stuff, I want to go through, okay, we were trying to change this. What's your feel? Take shallowing the club. I've had 93 people tell me 93 different ways that they feel like they're going to shallow the club. Well, that's their feel. Now, I know when I tell my wife her feelings are wrong, I sleep on the couch. So I don't <laughs> tend to tell people their feelings are wrong. But I'm trying to get them to self-organize. Yes, SOL does not stand for shit out of luck. It's self-organized learning. There's no such thing as muscle memory. It's motor memory. It's what your brain understands. If I pulled your left thigh muscle out, it wouldn't remember shit. <laughs> that's, that, that's six inch space in your head, Mike. So I might want to get in there, right? Mike can go, okay, Mike, let's sort of trash some of what you've been doing before. Let me give you a couple of feels, whether it's a training aid or me putting you in a spot or whatever the hell it is. And then have you tell it to me back. Right. I'll right. give you a fun story and then I'll let you guys move on. Cause I've blathered way too much. I have this no, wonderful it. family. I work with this girl, beautiful girl, great kid. She's now 15 or 16. And I've worked with her for a while. I swear on my father's grave. I could not get this girl to get the club, to work behind her, to shallow it out, to save my life. And I had tried everything. And I'm thinking I'm going to have to ship her off down the street. And that's a shame. Nice family. They treat me good. But hey, if I'm not getting results, then you got to go somewhere else. You can go to Rick, I can call him, or you can go to Brady, or whatever it is. And as the world we live in, I said to her, is it okay, sweetheart, if I put my hands on your hands at the top of your swing and just show you where your hands are supposed to go? And I, I make her do this great big loop with her hands. I mean, I'm talking, that, that club is coming in from underneath her right glute. And you can kind of see this little flicker of light. And I go, oh. And she makes this practice swing and she gives me this adorable look back and she goes, it, you mean like that? And I'm like, yeah, kind of like that. What was that? She looks me dead in the face and goes, oh, I just take the club and chop my legs off. Hmm. Now, are you going to laugh at her for how ridiculous that sounds? Or are you going to celebrate the fact that something clicked into her head? <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's just all chop our legs off. Let's do that. I got a new swing thought now. <laughs> that club's got to go as far behind you as it humanly can, unless you want to hit over the top pull cuts. And some people do. Yeah. Wow. I got to see this in person now. 
We got to do this in person. Awesome. Yeah, we got to do I'll it. I'll send you. I can send you some stuff. But <laughs> yeah. love it. I it watched. I watched a lot of videos today. I probably mm-hmm. even watched that video, and then you doing that with, uh, you know, with a six-year-old man too, and uh, and uh, yeah, it seemed like he was. Let me, let me let me guess. Yeah, the auto effects pink shaft. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I know it's extremely expensive, but I won't play anything else. That that shaft is cheating. <laughs> what what is it? Uh it's called the Autoflex. Oh, what is the company called? I don't even know the name of the company. It's a brand new company. Yeah, I play it driver three wood, five wood, seven wood hybrid shit. I play it in my wedges, but the thing is so expensive it's insane. <laughs> Well, that kind of gets into one of my next questions because you must okay. you, you must do a lot of fitting or you start out doing a lot of fitting and I, I think when we started this podcast uh, we didn't know how important getting fit to your clubs was and shamefully I still haven't got my <laughs> my M4s uh, fitted now that's because I, I'm still in the minds there's two mindsets and hopefully you can shoot these down. Number one, I'm not in a position right now to to buy new clubs. Not not to say that I couldn't get my existing clubs cut down. And I also don't have confidence in my swing. I always say, well, I have to fix my swing first before I get fitted to my clubs because, you know, what's the point of getting lessons? Everything's going to change, and then my my fitting of my clubs is going to change. Oh, <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. I was like golf foreplay. I'm ready to go now. You know, part of what you said smart, right? But it depends on what level you're at. If you've got a guy that's shooting a hundred, he needs a new set of clubs about as bad as I need another hole in my head, or I need the jets to lose tonight to Arizona. No, if you have the ability to break 90, then we can have a chat because the great thing about where we're at in the world, this is mostly with adults. So if any of you out there are listening and you've got like a 10 year old, don't listen to me because your 10 year old is going to get faster. Us guys that are over the age age of 25, probably not going to get faster. So you're not going to eliminate the flex of the shaft you're using. So go get fit. Now, if I change your golf swing, you said you had MP force. Uh, No, M4s, tailor-made M4s. Okay, well, (laughs) saying the other T word to me is kind of like blasphemous, but whatever. (laughs) I'll I'll pretend I didn't hear that. So what's what's really changed over the years, okay? So 90% of adult golfers, okay, we're taking the juniors out of it. All junior parents don't listen to me. If you have a junior, go get a golf swing. Absolutely go get a golf swing before you do anything else. For an adult that can break 90, go get fit. Because the greatest thing that can happen is, yeah, then come to me with your new gear. Every company, including the greatest golf company in the world, Titleist, just ask Rob McMillian and me, with the strongest lineup, it's not even close, it's actually gross. <laughs> but even tailor-made, every driver fairway wood hybrid is adjustable to some place. Every iron, every wedge, we can flatten it. We can make it more upright. We can add loft. We can take off lot. So for me, if you went down this road, or JR, okay, get your gear. Then after 
however long and you feel and you can see that you've made really big changes in your golf swing. Redo the lie in the loft. Get on track, man. Check if, if um, you know, the launch angles or spin rates have changed. Check if... So it's kind of a double-edged sword in... I. <laughs> This game has got so many, there's no rules in this game, right? You want to go swing like Bubba Watson and make a million, millions of dollars? Great, do that. You know, you want to swing like Jim Furyk? Okay, I don't know that I would teach that on my lesson tee, but pretty good player, pretty good career. Yeah. Right? So for if you can honestly break 90 and you're not like, a, you know, hey, let me play a, play a best ball with myself and I can shoot 89, yeah, go get fit. Go spend some time with those people. They know what they're doing. I'm really lucky in the fact that I can do as many fittings as I want a year. I don't have to do them anymore. I've got a guy that comes out. He's fantastic and does them. Um, I love being around that process because people go, wow, that makes that much of a difference. Well, yeah. You know, the other side of the fitting experience is do not get a golf ball fit to you because of how far you hit driver. Don't be that moron, please. Can you start explain that a little bit? <laughs> okay, so well, I'm just gonna end up screaming and yelling because the Jets just got out shot 17 to three in the second period <laughs> to Arizona. That's uh, but, but anyway, so I, I I I will go the opposite way. Yeah, absolutely. So if you remember years ago. And I, you know, and I don't want to shit on anybody because I'm really not about that. But there was a company out there, and they have since changed. That was doing golf ball fittings. They were they were really the first one to kind of push it. It was all driver. Okay, well, driver, you for the most part have one swing speed. Am I correct or close enough? Like, I think I'm at 105 now. And, it, and it'll vary. One day I'll be 103, one day I'll be 107. You know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm slower now. Mm-hmm. I, I only hit my driver 10 times around. What the hell am I doing getting a ball fit for just a driver? When in actuality, in the game of golf, you have, I don't know, let's see you shoot 70, right? That means, arguably, you've had anywhere between 50 and 60 different not only ball speeds, but swing speeds you've played the game with. First part of a ball fitting should always be how do you like the feel of the ball off the putter? Because if, if you don't like the feel of the ball off the putter, track man data can give you whatever you want. But if you don't like the feel of the ball off the putter, we're hosed. So we'll go into my world. Okay. So we're going to go premium golf balls in. So title says the Pro V1. We have the Pro V1. We have the Pro V1 dash left and we have the AVX. Okay. Those are our premium golf balls. Well, I, I lay those down and, and you give me the like the Pro V1 X, the Pro V1 X dash left and the AVX, and you absolutely can't stand the feel of a Pro V1. That Pro V1 has to come out of the fitting. Then we're going to go do some 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 yard shots to measure. Not only the launch angle, but the spin characteristics to do you like how it's reacting around the green? Then we're going to back up again and we're going to hit some shorter irons because that's where you do your scoring. Okay. And we're going to measure those same things again. Very last thing you're going to get to is what the hell the driver's doing. It's just nonsense. Like it, that's the, and so if you have the ability, and I'm sure you do, there are a lot of great golf professionals in Winnipeg, lots of them. 
if during your fitting, you can also figure out if you want to play, you're a tailor-made guy. I don't know what the hell their balls are now. TP5 or some junk. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just threw somebody under the bus. Yeah, I don't like tailor-made much. Sorry, Dave Woods. Apologize. Um, but yeah, go through that experience and have the ball be a part of it. That's uh, that's interesting. I don't play tailor-mades. Well, we do. We 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 uh, we, uh, we tried out the picks there. That was uh, those were very nice. Thank you very much for those. Tailor made. <laughs> oh, good. Tailor made like helps the show, and I've just shit on them. Thanks no. for that. I appreciate you. <laughs> no, we're, no. We're, everyone helps the show here. We are we are agnostic. We we play what we play. And oh, you're brand agnostic. Is that a thing? <laughs> brand, brand agnostic is I don't want to play the best clubs in the world. <laughs> Robbie Mack better not come on the show after that shit. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course. It means I'm we're kidding. still looking for a brand sponsor. That's what he means. So. Yeah, we sure do like our Heinz ketchup. Shout out to Heinz Ketchup. <laughs> hey now, that'll change. That'll change your life, right? You don't have to buy ketchup anymore. Hey, you go now. <laughs> well, we will get to that uh, in the back nine. You, this is literally you've answered. I didn't even have to ask any questions. You pretty much answered them. Uh, mm-hmm. Them all for me, Mike. I don't know if you have any more before we get into the the back nine lightning round here. Well, I just want to talk about uh, California teams because mm-hmm. I saw that you're at a, a Lakers game the other day. Big Lakers fan. No, not at all. Good care of us. <laughs> Don't give a shit. No, you know, I, I've been really lucky. I, yeah, shout out to the Lakers. Uh, maybe don't bring LeBron and pray. Uh, no, you know what? Um, I've been, been really, really lucky. Um, but, you know, this podcast could say Marshall Patterson backed into everything he's ever done, and I'd probably giggle and laugh and go, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> so you don't. Or I don't. I don't know how you guys are in your life. I don't make assumptions, right? About people, about where they've come from, about how poor or whatever they are. What brands they play. I do judge that horribly. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the one judgment. I'm like, oh, Callaway, you really do suck. No, I'm kidding. Um, I had this client and said, hey, you know, if you ever want Laker tickets, and I thought, ugh. And then she pulls out a phone of her and her two kids, the youngest children I've taught in a long time. And they're standing on the floor. (laughs) And I'm like, well, um, yeah, sure, I'd love to go. So she literally right then and there goes, here's your tickets. And I'm like, third row under the basket. These are $1,000 each tickets. (laughs) Yeah, I'll take my beautiful wife to that. Um, I'm trying to think of any Southern California team. That, I, I do like the Kings. I'm okay with that. The what'd Ducks you think are of, awful. Uh, what do you think of trading quick there? Um, I puked. <laughs> That's the fourth time I, you I, puked I, I like in this abs- episode. Oh, there's going to be a few pukes if I keep watching this hockey team that's on the air. It's not giving my full attention of anything, but just what are we doing? Um, I hated the trade of quick. I did. Um, I guess, I guess because I follow the Winnipeg Jets, I must love chaos. So I'm like all about Los Angeles versus Las Vegas. Can we make that happen? Right. Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So let me ask you something. You're, you're a rabid Jets fan. And then, yeah, whenever you want to go on a rapid fire, that's cool. But so I, I think as Jets fans, we're completely conditioned 
playoffs, 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 playoffs. Would we agree? I think yeah. I think True North is conditioned because they want the money. Okay, I'll agree with that. I think that's an absolutely brilliant point. So you mean to tell me, and I kind of laughed at myself, so you guys completely can laugh at me. I'm a complete goon when it comes to hockey. <laughs> like, I'm just a goon. I'm just a belligerent arsehole goon. <laughs> so I was thinking like that, too. And the other night, I'm sitting there looking at my wife, who's massively bombers, jets, whatever. Nice. And I'm like, why am I freaking out if this team's going to make the playoffs? Because let me tell you what the playoffs are going to mean. It's going to be four meaningless games against the Colorado Avalanche where we get gooned. <laughs> like, we get absolutely shit-mixed gooned. And I'm going through the stress of the Arizona Coyotes are now out shooting us 28-14. I should be spazzing out and not enjoying my time with you all. <laughs> I'm almost to the point where it's like, well, the rebuild's coming anyways. If we can have a few playoff games. That'd be cool, I guess. <laughs> like, what does it matter? That's true. Yeah. Now, no, that's true. LA, conversely, if you take January 21st, that's the day that we started to throw up all over ourselves and went from first in the West to now we're eighth. The Los Angeles Kings are the hottest team in the Western Conference. Okay, well, I'll cheer for them. I can go to a game. That'd be fun. I haven't been to playoff hockey in quite some time if I've ever been. I don't even remember. Hmm. What are your thoughts? I got to hear you're the season ticket holder. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. And I think, the, the you know, obviously we had a sour year last year. Um, and then we... I'm sorry, you preference last year is somewhat sour? <laughs> <laughs> Our coach fucking quit on us. <laughs> like, can you... Can you imagine another sport? Can you, okay, let me give it to you this way. Can you imagine, like, next week, the Boston Bruins, Bruce Cassidy goes, yeah, you know what, I'm not really getting through to these guys. I'm absolutely going to fuck off. <laughs> like, what sport does that happen in? I had joked a month before with my wife that I thought True North, because they're so cheap, was probably going, hey, Paul, is there any way you could fire yourself? Could that happen? <laughs> And then he quit. <laughs> I'm like, they got their freaking wish, man. <laughs> I was pissing my pants. She woke me up that morning and I'm like, they actually got him to do it? Can you all know? Well, but they're still paying him, right? There's, or no, I guess not until he, he found the new job. So he's, he's no longer being on the, he's no longer being paid. But. Paul Marie, smartest man ever, not talking about hockey. I'm going to quit, and you're going to still pay me because I hate your team. <laughs> what job can you go in and go, this job sucks. I absolutely hate everything about the team you've assembled, but you're going to pay me $3 million a year. Where do I sign up for that? I've been lucky in my life, not that lucky. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> I know. Can I go up to one of my players and go, I actually really, I don't like your face. Your golf swing sucks. You're not coachable and your parents are stupid. You're still going to pay me every week. Do I get, where's that job? Right. I had one of my swing coaches tell me that actually. So that was, that kind which of swing up. coach was that? Who have you guys worked with? I'm kind Jim, of interested. Steve, Jim, Steve. That's who he's, he, he gave up on me. Steepers are cool. That's the son or the dad. The dad. That's the dad. 
Oh, wouldn't he at Glendale forever? Just a great piece of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his son's at Soko, isn't he? He sure is. Yeah, Andrew Steep had him on the on the yeah. pod, him and his wife. Great place, uh, great I, I, facility, great boardroom. I'll tell, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you straight quick, that's just a great bunch. <laughs> like, that whole family, like, you have something. If you don't like the Steeps, there's probably something wrong with you. Like, you might check in the mirror. Uh, I did. I didn't say anything about them. I'm just saying uh, he. Uh, I was jokingly saying that he he gave up on me and kicked me out of the, the kicked me off the course. He was like, just Mike. Honestly, um, here are some directions to a bowling alley. You possibly yeah. can't suck at this as bad. And now this is the 18 over bowling podcast presented by. <laughs> Pick your bowling alley in town, I guess. Taylor made. <laughs> Foot joy. Taylor made again. Goodness <laughs> gracious. You're trying to eat. I'm never coming back. Okay. <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> oh, good I mean, what, do you, what do you guys do next for an encore? Like pour sugar in my gas tank? <laughs> well, I think we, 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 we got it. We got it called the uh, back nine lightning round. So we'll pepper you with questions. Oh, God, here we go. All right. And it'll be the measuring stick because, yeah, because Rob McMillan might be following up this podcast. So, Oh, uh, if Robbie Mack follows me, I'm going to cry. <laughs> right? Yeah, we, we brought this okay teacher on and this okay player. And once again, I'm losing to Robbie Mack by 100. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be, I'll be, bill, I'll be billing you boys for the, uh, for the shrink table that I'll be on for days. Full PTSD. Oh, Marshall, you shot 74. Rob McMillian shot 65. Why don't you quit? This is therapy not just talking to us. I yeah, I think so. Are you kidding me? I've gone through like six beers already. I got, PT- I got PTSD with the TaylorMade comments. Good God. Well, I think that would be a, a perfect time then to get into the back nine lightning round. And it is for Bryce Matlaszewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce 204 204- Five one five three four four six. He probably won't berate you as much as Marshall had uh, has during this show uh, when he talk about uh, finances. But uh, he's a great, great dude, great family guy, member at St. Chuck's. So you can talk to him about golf, talk to him about mm-hmm. finances, and uh, all the crazy banks that are failing in the states. Maybe he'll give his two cents on that. Who knows? But uh, yeah, you can find him in our link tree, which is in in our bio. And uh, Marshall, Mike's got some questions for you. You can elaborate as much as you want. You can keep it short, keep it quick, or just go as you have been. Okay. The hard-hitting questions. Yes. Oh God, here we go. What's your What's your nickname, Marshall? What do you How do you shorten that, or is it just always Marshall? I don't know that I've ever had a nickname. Oh. Not that, not that you know, like people would say to my face. I mean, I'm sure there's other <laughs> shit they call me. They call you. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Well, that ask Darren moron Hayden over there. Yeah, well, ask Darren yeah, Hayden what he yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Some people just don't have a, a nickname that's stuck. Mm-hmm. No, no, nothing. M Pat Marsh, Marsh Pat. I don't, I don't think we're going to make one here. <laughs> Let's not workshop this now. <laughs> no. I was going to say, this is going incredibly, incredibly poorly. <laughs> well, let's get, let's, uh, let's start with this one. It might get even more poor. Have you ever got a hole in one? 
five. Oh, wow. What about that? Yeah, Mike and I have none, so we're yeah. we're searching. Although I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but we'd still like like one on the belt. It does matter. You won't say it doesn't matter when that thing goes in for the first time. <laughs> Shit. Ken Weeb got two in the yeah. same round. Yeah, what kind of nonsense weep. is that? <laughs> really? I think Ken Weeb is actually playing my old driver, three wood, five wood, seven wood, and wedges I bought him. So oh, no way. hopefully there's another one oh. coming. Hey, man, you got to share the wealth. <laughs> That's true. That's true, you do. Uh, what is your preferred golf ball brand or model? I think we know a little bit about this. <laughs> okay. So this is you trolling me to get <laughs> thrown out of the top hundred, right? Like if I came on here and I'm like, God, I love that tricks on Z star. It's so much better, <laughs> which is never coming out of my mouth. Um, we so can, we can do it in post-production. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't do that. Yeah. Some, Please, some Marshall God. Patterson AI will just get it to say whatever we want. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Right. Like, I, like I haven't said enough already. Um, so forever in a day, I was a big pro V one X guy. When I come up there in the summer, I'll bring you guys some of the pro V one dash left. They're incredible. Hmm. They, they fly a little higher. They spin a little less. They, you know, on, on the longer stuff. So you get a little bit more rollout. They don't, you don't sacrifice a lot of spin around the greens. Yeah. It's like, I'm a big pro V one dash left guy. Yeah. Is that exclusive to the U S or. I don't believe so. Uh, I don't believe so. It's, 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 um, it's a pricey golf ball. So I'll, uh, mm-hmm. I'll bring a couple, I'll bring a couple dozen up for you guys. When you guys tell me what you think, I love them. I think they're a great ball, but anything in our line really is not the title is Tomer. Anything in our line is a real good golf ball. It just depends on what you need. Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, you answer. will. You would be happy to hear that I play Pro V ones. However, they are used, so I'm not sure how <laughs> you your what your take is on used golf balls, gently used. Yeah, I'm going to go down a tuxedo and get a bucket of t- uh, Titleist range balls and go play with them. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Noted. Uh, your what would be your favorite course to play in in Manitoba? Oh, you dirty little bugger, you! Um, ooh, this is hard. You can pick a one A or one B uh, or even name a few, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, no, that's in Manitoba, not Winnipeg. Yeah, in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so I'll start with where you guys kind of took me, and I'm dying to play. The new Southwood, I've heard just nonsense about that place. Like, it's just everything about it's great. Um, so I can't really name that because I've played it. Big fan of the redesign of Breezy Band. Big fan of the redesign of, I'm going to go cross-eyed, Glendale. Yep, Glendale. Yep. Yep, big fan. Nostalgia, I'd have to say St. Charles because I spent so much time being there. Trying to think of any of the other ones in, in Winnipeg or Manitoba that like, I mean, it's kind of nonsense how many good golf courses we have. So to like try to filter it down to like a few, I I I find it really really interesting because this is not the case everywhere. But you're really hard pressed in not only Winnipeg but in Manitoba to come across just a goat ranch 
just a complete shithole. Like you're like, this is garbage. Right? Like even your smaller golf courses still have like I mean, yeah, they're not perfect, but like your John Blomberg's and your and your tuxedos and your Assiniboine golf clubs it's like nine holes. None of them are dumps. Like you guys are so lucky with where you get to play, how you get to play. Like it's cool. Like in, in the city I live in, there are one, two, three, four, five. There's five or five or six golf courses, including a country club. Our country club's a dump. <laughs> it's a dump. Now I know they're gonna try to do something about that, but like you guys don't have like a lot of really crummy golf courses. You guys are really lucky like that. I've always been excited and proud of that. Like it's hard to find, you know, is John Bloomberg on my number one list when I come up and hang out with you guys? No. <laughs> Would I tell you to go F yourself if you said, Hey, we're going to play Bloomberg. I'd be like, no, yeah, let's get a few beers and let's go play Johnny B. That's fine. Right. Like, so, but I, I definitely think, Glendale, Breezy Bend, St. Chuck's, and then I'm looking forward to South Park. Yeah. South, uh, Southwood, yeah. Great, great over there. South I, Park, South, whatever. I'm <laughs> whatever. Well, and then you mentioned uh, where you are, and uh, so yep. that's R- Rancho Vista, and that's... Uh, Vista. Oh, sorry. Is that a Canadian thing? Vista. Yeah, it's Vista down here. I think it's oh, Canadian wow. thing, like center and center. Mm-hmm. Right. and decal. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Mazda and Mazda. Right? <laughs> Makes no sense to me. So uh is that is that considered a, a desert course? Yeah, we're definitely of the desert variety. Uh designed by Ted Robinson, who's done a few pretty cool tracks. It's a good track. I, you know, I I definitely would say this. You guys would come out here and you'd have a lot of fun. It's it, it's not the hardest golf course in the world. Our greens are a little, a little nonsensical right now. I, I, I was doing a track man putting session the other day and our greens are running at 12 and a half. <laughs> wow. So, so that'll wake you up real quick. Is that um, just because uh, it's like winter and the grass is, is, is yes. growing? I uh, know the, the grass is growing pretty okay, but uh, a lot of it's, we still freeze at night. Right. Right. So the ground, the ground gets hard and then they keep cutting. We normally run in the summer between nine and a half and 10. Um, I had a flat putt running at about 12 and a half, 12 and three quarters the other day. So yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty crazy. You play, you play all year round. Is that a stupid question? Obviously. Uh, yes. Yes. We play all round if it's not raining. Yep. You have a, I guess, a favorite course in the area you're at, um, with Valencia Country Club. <laughs> what? What is it? Valencia Country Club. Valencia. Um, they they hosted a PGA Tour event when Riv was getting redesigned. I believe it was '99. Uh, Tiger got beat by Billy Mayfair and that beautiful putting stroke that makes you want to absolutely take a four iron and put it through your forehead. Um, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Valencia country club. It's spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Awesome. Good. Uh, well, and one of my usual core uh, questions is your bucket list course in Manitoba that you'd love to play. 
Uh, I think that was answered by uh, Southwood. I think. Correct. Anything else, maybe out of the city that that uh, you'd want to play? And I'm not You're talking sure. like for for like a first time, like I've never played it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, heard great things about Granite Hills. Mm-hmm. Good answer. We can take that. We haven't been to Granite in a very uh, in a while. Have to get yeah, no, I like, you know, like I enjoy, I enjoy when I'm in Manitoba going out to see some of those, like, uh, I love Hecla. I love, uh, I've got Corey Oaks is cool. Um, mm-hmm. what's that one out there by the uh, bridges? It's all right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, just, no, did you just Google Winnipeg golf courses just now? And you're, you're reading them off. <laughs> Oh wow! You you actually think I'm coordinated enough to talk to you and type? Okay, well, I'm just you, 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 hey, you know that, that that's almost like a tire pump for me. <laughs> uh, well, you can uh, you can you can let us know on this next question though. But uh, our, uh, what would be the most memorable course you've ever played? I'm I'm sure you you've got around. We got two. Pebble okay. Beach, without without question. Mm. That was quite an experience. And then I got lucky enough to play Riviera the week of the Genesis. So, like, all the grandstands wow. were up, and the rough was up to your nuts. And Wow. Yeah. Promptly, promptly, like, eagled, promptly eagled that easy first hole there and thought, what a cakewalk. And then for 17 <laughs> holes, just got punched in the mouth. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I'm hitting driver three iron again? Fuck. This never stops. That's a beautiful it, course. Certainly. It's, you know what the funny thing is? It's the same thing at Pebble. You go through the first seven holes at Pebble and you're like, yeah, it's pretty. I think I was like one or two under after seven. And you get to eight and like eight, nine, ten. It's like driver two iron, driver three iron. And you're like, um, okay, I'd like to start having fun now. Can I go up to those forward tees? That looks more fun. <laughs> Did you uh, did you see any celebrities out? Which place? Oh, Riv or or Pebble, but I guess Riv is is uh, it was always popular. Lots of celebrities hang out there, and, and I think they've filmed a, a few shows there. Um, yeah, there might have been a few people you may have heard of. Uh, Here come the name drops. <laughs> if you want them, do you want them? <laughs> I love name drops. Yeah, Mike's yeah. a big, big proponent of the name drop. All right. I have played nine holes at Calabasas Country Club with Adam Sandler. What? I have met Kevin Costner at Rove. I have met, uh, who's that little guy? Joe Pesci. Met him there. Uh, Alice Cooper's in the wheelhouse. I can go on for like ever, guys, and I'll just sound like I'm making shit up. So <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Got the Google machine going again. <laughs> I, now, at Sherwood <laughs> is where I met Wayne and Janet and Mark Messier and Mike Richter. And they're all just they're all just the coolest people. You're like, oh, my. Wayne's the only one I got nervous around. Like, it took me two or three holes to go, ha, I'm from Winnipeg. Do you remember that you were too small, too slow, and didn't have a good enough shot? And he's like, yeah, how'd that work out for you? I'm like, you fucking ruined my childhood. <laughs> you know, like, that's hard to tell the greatest hockey player of all time. You yeah. ruined my fucking childhood. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to, we can have a full side episode and, and just talk about who you played with and, uh, and those stories. 
I think you probably have a bit of a giggle, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's been good. And, and I, I, I do want to say this. I, you know, I joke about a lot of things, but, you know, I, I've given back as much of this game as I've ever tried to take for myself. And so I've been really fortunate. I'm appreciative. I don't take any of it lightly. I don't take any of it for granted. I'm just, I'm just some kid that left Winnipeg in 19 and said, hey, I wonder if I can make a run at this golf thing. And yeah, I'm still doing it, which is cool. Take them again. <laughs> well, that is pretty cool, right? It's probably, it's a dream probably for a lot of people. You gotta, you know, in, in, in this game, I'll tell you what, try to, try to meet the coolest people you can try to try to gain as much knowledge as you can from everybody, you know, be appreciative and you'd be surprised what can happen. Good things. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, next one we got here on the list. Uh, what would be your number one golf course on on your bucket list? Augusta. <laughs> Might as well shoot high. I've played all the other ones. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I've played so many great tracks, and I've been so fortunate. Um, I don't think Augusta is going to come true. Uh, Have you been? Some, as a say that again. Have you been to Augusta, the spectator? Oh, you're going to break my heart. Uh, so years ago, my, uh, one of my really good players was playing in, you know, some of the major mini tours and he's good friends with Ricky Fowler and Ricky gave us, uh, practice day passes. And, uh, so we went down to LAX, I rented the car and, uh, you know, then a storm turned up and we never got there and I've never had a chance to go back. Yeah. So a little unfortunate, but that's okay. That's too bad. Well, yeah. we'll have to get we'll get out there. All of us will go down there. There you go. Well, blast um, uh, blast from the past. You might know him, uh, Marshall. Used to work with him at the Sinboyne Golf Club. Ross Lemon. He lives in Augusta, Georgia, right now. God, that name sounds devilishly familiar. Yeah, he's an associate professional at uh, Cinnaboyne for years with uh, Dallas. Yeah, America. that name sounds ridiculously familiar. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. Lucky him. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would what be your uh, career low round and where? Uh, 63 five times. Wow. wow. All five different golf. Yeah. Five different golf courses. Yeah. That's impressive. Not just well, a homer. Can do it anywhere. No, no. Well, I wish that was the case. I'd be <laughs> a, a lot better. I'd be a lot well more well off and, you, you you wouldn't have had to like go, is that Marshall on my Zoom call? You would actually know who the hell I am. <laughs> so then you wouldn't need to ask any questions and, and make me look like an ass. So there you go. It would have worked out for both of us. I would have just come on your show and gone, I'm Marshall Patterson. You need some money because I'm so rich. <laughs> that could work. Damn. Yeah. That's why Wilkie Damn. said to get you on. Well, I guess we're not going to get that money now, are we, Mike? <laughs> No, 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 I think, well, I think so. I think this, this episode will go viral and, and, uh, those millions will come <laughs> and we'll, well share. I wish, I, I, I wish you the best on that one. Man. Uh, They're gonna be like, hey, look, they got some idiot on there. His name's Marshall Patterson. They go, oh, not that guy. <laughs> uh, um, Question eight is my wild card. I was, I was checking out uh, your Instagram as we do the deep research for this. 
And you nice. have your uh, your vote. Uh, are they Vokies? The wedges, the Titleist wedges are Vokies, right? Uh, there's nothing in my bag that isn't Titleist. <laughs> uh, you're, they're stamped with Fig Jam. And I was curious what Fig Jam uh, was, if, if you're able to divulge that. So Fig Jam is also on my golf balls. Um, so I'm, I'm sure this will kind of be a little bit weird. Um, but like all of us, you know, we suffer from, you know, a little bit of confidence or, or we doubt ourselves or, you know. And so my buddy gave me what that acronym means and it, it just made me laugh and it's so not what I would be like, but fig jam that, uh, so my, my wedges, everyone has a different saying. One of them is uh, one day PGA. One of them is wake up after Kenny and Rennie. Um, <laughs> one of them is USA strong. And then, and then we have fig jam. So I think the other ones are pretty self-explanatory. You guys can probably get your way through what those mean. Uh, fig jam is fuck. I'm good. Just ask me. <laughs> That's so, so it's, you know, it's a little reminder when you're playing like shit or you've had a bad lesson or, you know, you're having a bad day. You kind of look at it. You just kind of laugh to yourself. You're like, I really am a clown, but yeah, fuck. I'm good. Just ask me. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to put so those it, on our golf balls. Now the, the titles yeah. we get from Robbie Mack and yourself, will have to put those on the golf, the 18 over par golf balls. I, I will bring some fig jam sandwiches and you can crush those shit, that shit too. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'll have, to, we'll have to include the, uh, we'll screenshot the wedges and, and share that on our, uh, our promo post so that everyone can see those. Did you stamp them yourself? No, I'm lucky. I get all my stuff done. Um, they take really good care of me and I'll smile and leave it at that. I was going to bring the golf bag in the house but I didn't want you to both go, how much money is actually in there? And I would actually have to tell you, and I'm not going to do that. Well, just based on those shafts, right? We don't even know. I wouldn't even know how to translate it into Canadian. <laughs> it's like, I just might, I, it just, yeah. Like the driver's probably 2,500 bucks. Yeah, Canadian easy. It's a down payment on a St. James home. <laughs> it, 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 it actually it, it, I know that they're worth like more than both my wife and my cars but you know I got to give a shout out to Troy Denslow and Grant Boyd and my uh, Footjoy rep uh, Shane Boker they're, they're very good to me so. right on shout out to those guys and then our, our uh, final question here somewhat related to Fig Jam um, what is your favorite condiment Mm. Condiment. Condiment. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to put anything in your mouth there, but uh, lots of popular, <laughs> popular picks. You know, that's that's really that's actually really kind of creepy that you just said. I don't I want to put any. I, I I don't want to put anything into your mouth, but I've just said something that sounds like condom. I don't know where this is going, <laughs> um, but I'm a little weirded out, so I'll just go with ranch. Ranch, ranch is a great answer. Right? Very Canadian and, of you, or Midwest. And for of the you. Re and for the record, anybody that puts ketchup on a hot dog is childish. That's for hustler. Oh, childish. 
I would. I, well, yeah, I would agree. I, I'm not a big ketchup guy. What are you six? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, give me some ketchup for my hot dog. Cause I have the palate of a six year old. Right. You might as well be putting maple syrup on your hot dog, which actually might be pretty you know, good. That might not be bad. That might be, that might be better than ketchup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned that. Cause after our episode with a hustler, they went on Winnipeg Sports Talk the next day and talked, what was it, like half an hour, 45 minutes just on condiments? Mm-hmm. That <laughs> was, was that good. during the pandemic? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Was, have been in the, there might have been no sports to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had like the condiment race where they were drafting condiments and <laughs> drafting snack food. and. Uh. Got to do what you got to do. I miss do. those guys. I miss call, I miss calling into the post game show. I really do. I, I that was a heck of a lot of fun. They did a great job, and I I miss Kevin. I missed all those guys, man. Well, they should have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk now. After uh, the, the pod could be your launching pad to get on the big show with uh, with Andrew Hustler Patterson, the new one, Winnipeg Sports Talk. Anyways, I've done enough cross branding, and we've given enough shout outs for the show, and uh, that was the back nine lightning round. And it is for Bryce Malashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce, 204-515-3446. Again, all of his information is in our link tree in our bio. You can even fax him. He's got a fax machine, apparently, so you can do that, too. He's got a fax machine in his car. His car, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's 2023. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're way ahead of the times here in Winnipeg. You, you I gotta meet this. I, I gotta meet this dude. I got some. I got some money to invest in Canada. So does my wife. But I just want to see you have a fax in your car. St. <laughs> Charles, yeah, St. Charles too. Just parks it in there and does all his work from uh, from his car. But uh, no, he's he's a great dude, honestly. And uh, I know there's been a lot of crazy stuff going on in the markets. He's a great dude to talk to about it. Calm you down. And uh, yeah, you're as as well being part of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. We're actually safe for the most part here in Canada with our funds, which cool. is nice. Yeah, nice How to know. How about that? Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah, so he can, he can walk you through that as well to, to get you through that. But, Marshall, this was incredible. We really uh, thank you for taking the time to come on uh, our show, chat some nostalgia, chat some golf, sit us down on a couch and really just rake us over the coals and all the stuff that we're thinking about in our golf swing. Now we're going to throw all that shit out the window because we're not going to think about it anymore. Get that out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's just what we're going to have in our in our head now. So we really appreciate it again for you coming on. And uh, we hope to see you either up here, maybe down I'll there. I'll see you guys. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. For anybody that's going to listen to this that knows me, I will see you in the summer. It's been three years since I've been, been up there since COVID. It's been way too long since I've visited my family and my friends. Um, I will be up there in the summer. I'll bring you some... Pro V1 dash left fig jam sandwiches. <laughs> Perfect. Right. I'll be, I'll be right there. When I see Mikey standing over the golf ball for an hour and a half, I'll just scream at him. Stop it. <laughs> Get out of your own head. Go make a practice ring and then hit the stupid thing. And, uh, buy you guys a couple beers. And no, it's been my pleasure. You guys run a real, real cool racket, man. I'm glad that it's been going for three years strong. And then, uh, you know, just reach out to me. Like I said, I got some cool people that, uh, they'd probably be way more interesting than me. I don't know how that would be possible. Uh, this was no. this was fantastic. This has got to be up yeah. there in one of the uh, the top podcasts. Um, 
I think of her of her past three years. Very entertaining. Good. Yeah, we'll have you back. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I can't wait, guys. And like I said, don't don't be strangers, okay? Like, if you need something, or you have a question, or you want to get somebody on, you know, uh, this is a very small community, and I don't mean the prairies. Um, <laughs> But the golfing world's a small place. And if I can do something to help you guys out, I'd be more than proud and happy and all those things. So great meeting you both and uh, keep on doing what you're doing. Okay. Right on. Appreciate it. Have yourself a wonderful night. And uh, we'll talk to you next time, maybe with Rob McMillan. We'll see. Good night. Bye-bye. See you on the next side. Thanks for the PTSD. (laughs) And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. (laughs) 